to the Cinema Syndicate Podcast presented by Boot Crew Media, the hottest, most fun movie review show on the internet. We've got our co-hosts out from West Coast to the East Coast spreading their hot takes. In California, we got Mr. Preston Barnes. How you doing, Preston? Right on, fellas. Doing well. As we move to the East Coast, we got Mr. Joe Ray Fine in New Orleans, Louisiana. How you doing, Joe? Bonsoir, mes amis. How we doing? And in Washington, D.C., we got Mr. Budge Husky. How you doing, Budge? Ooh, finally warmed up here, boys. Finally warmed right. up. <laughs> and as always, I'm Matthew Scott. Tonight, we are going to be doing the Amazon original movie, Blow the Man Down. But before we get into Blow the Man Down, we always want to encourage people to go follow us on social media. We are at Cinema Syndicate on Twitter, the Cinema Syndicate podcast on Instagram. And please, if you're a loyal listener, go on iTunes. Give us a nice review. We really appreciate it. Helps us grow, helps us get more subscribers, helps iTunes promote us more. And the more we get promoted, the more we get listeners. We really, really appreciate it. It's such an easy thing to do. Please go do that. So before we get into Blow the Man Down, we are going to give our marquee picks like always. And since Blow the Man Down is about someone accidentally getting into sort of a murder mystery thriller or whatever, not really a mystery, but they do try to cover up a murder. Not even murder, it's sort of self-defense, but I'm trying to get a little offhand. We are going to do our favorite cover-ups in movie and TV history, and since Preston Barnes picked Blow the Man Down, he's going to start a, start us off with his favorite three cover-ups. Go for it, Preston. All right, let's just get right into it. Uh, this first one, it's a great film if you haven't seen it. Um, I think it came out in, gosh, 2014, 2015. Fantastic cast. Uh, the film is Spotlight. It is literally about a cover-up that went on for decades uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, abuse of young children. Um, I believe it won Best Picture. It's got Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, Rachel McAdams, uh, Liv Schreiber, I believe is like their editor. And I think I think it's the Boston Globe. Um, it's based on a true story, but um, it, I mean, it's just, it's an, it's an incredible movie about investigative journalism at its finest, uh, helping expose what was uh, just massive uh, massive amounts of crimes and uh, obviously sexual misconduct that really went not only from like Boston, but went out to other places in America and out into uh, other countries where we saw a, yeah, a lot of covering up by the Roman Catholic church. A lot of shifting uh, around. Yeah. So people around. The- it's a real heartwarming tale. Um, <laughs> no, it really is good. It's, it's some of the best. Like, I, I love, I, I love Michael Keaton. I love uh, Mark Ruffalo. I just think they're two of the best actors. And when they're like put in the right role, they just they knock it out of the park every time. But we all seen that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's 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 about covering up child rape. I mean, that's yeah. You hit nail on the head there, Preston. Yeah. <laughs> Go for number. Thing two. is, is they do <laughs> uncover it. So uh, you know, Budge, if you're gonna get uh, pick you, uh, well, you know. No, this, was, this is a broad topic for a reason. Any yeah. shot against the RC, Budge is okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk March about orange order. Talk yeah. about blowing down the man. Um, cool. All right, next one is uh, <laughs> the master of covering up murders. Um, if you watch this show, it was on Showtime, I believe. Yeah, for a long time. And a new season, I believe, is coming out very soon. I'm going with Everyone's favorite serial killer, Dexter. Ooh, oh, yeah, great pick. If you have seen the film or the show, you know, like every episode is a cover up. So I've said this about other shows too. And to me, 
it's part of my rubric about what takes a show from being maybe say a top 15, top 20 to a top five is landing the ending. And I feel like Dexter is one of those that didn't. Are you intrigued by the aspect of a new season? Do you think it's going to be weird how they do it? Wait, Butch, before we get into this, are you saying it would be in your top five or top 10 if they had landed the ending? No, I don't, but I think it might be in the top 15, but it's now because of the ending, it is not. Well, and a lot of shows have come since Dexter finished that have been really good. Yeah, and no, some but, but I think Dexter too. was like one of the first of those big shows, you know, of like the golden age of television. Surprise, you. motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it was. Surprise, uh, motherfucker. <laughs> That's a great video. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. The, the ending definitely. And it seemed like a lot of those shows that, that were around that time just all kind of had endings that were really controversial or polarizing and dexter was certainly one of them so i mean i'm personally looking forward to another season because you know i i don't want to spoil anything but i well, think it's it, it i think like he's still se- alive it's and one of those series that like it, it didn't plan for an ending it's not like a, a completed story like even they're based on right. a novel in terms of like they're serialized meant to like it's supposed to keep going and going and going so when they started it i'm sure they like maybe in the back of their heads, like thought, Oh, but at the same time, it's not supposed to be some comprehensive six season arc. It's like individual seasons at a time. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, it's not what, like a series of books though. Yeah. But like, what I'm saying is like, those books aren't really like comp, like one giant story. They're almost like individual stories that don't have like a greater ending. If that makes sense. Like they're like individual crimes at a time. Or like, I, I don't know if I'm really even explaining it, but it, it's not something that had from the beginning some big comprehensive three-story arc like Lord of the Rings or something like that where there was a defined ending going into it. It was just sort of like a premise and just kept on going because it's the type of like character that you can make recurring stories over and over again. Not sort of the, I don't know. I'm really, really drifting here, but uh, sorry. Go for no, it. No, I mean, I, well, you're right. I mean, I think it's, it is very much a character piece. I mean, there are other great characters and there are other um, great actors and actresses in it, but it's all about Dexter, Michael C. Hall's character, and and it just kind of like, as he goes, is how the show goes. I don't think like there was, yeah. I mean, certainly not. Like, you're, it was not based on a book, right? Did I? No, it, were, it was yeah. based on a series yeah. of books. Oh, it is. Yeah, but it's sort of like I didn't even know that. It, it's like the that? same thing as like it's if if they made a Hardy Boys series, right? Like you you do individual <laughs> cases. Like there's not like some big thing at the end of the Hardy Boys where they grow up and go their separate ways, or like there's not some defined ending in terms of their arc. It's like oh, I mean, it's how many clues? They yeah, have it's it's just their these two kids yeah, yeah. that gotcha. like go and yeah. solve crimes. That's the same thing with Dexter. It's like the, the premise is it's a guy that's sort of like he's a serial killer, but he does it in an ethical way. If that makes sense, he only kills people that are killers or whatever. So like, yeah, it was that it was a premise. It never really had a defined like, Oh, we're going to make this happen. It was just a way to like, sort of a character that created a, a conflict. And then the story right. was that right. it was, it never was. I don't know if it's intended to really be some big overall picture, if that makes sense. Uh, go for your I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, number one. Well, we talked about it recently in one of our long lost episodes. I'm going with Gone Girl. <laughs> where the liter- lost tapes. The lost tapes of Cinema Syndicate. Um, this is an awesome I love this film. The book is um, like this book the book and the author, like she writes a lot of stuff similar to what you see in Gone Girl. Um, and yeah, I mean like <laughs> the character Amy. I think gets away with everything, like almost everything she plans out. 
Uh, and that's kind of how they leave us in that film is, is that she's essentially gotten away with murder. She's gotten away with like identity theft, I guess. What Spoiler I mean, like, alert. what's that? Spoiler alert. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we spoil things here. And she's um, ruined some really nice silk sheets. I mean, goodness gracious. Ruins the biggest, yeah. might be the biggest crime of the whole movie. Yeah. She, uh, yeah. it's, I mean, it, it is such a, it's such a fun, entertaining movie. And you know, the way it ends with her, like essentially forcing herself back into that marriage with like a smile on her face and a terrified Ben Affleck. It is, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's wild. Uh, that movie was terrifying, not just because, I mean, I remember when we talked about it, and obviously that episode's lost somewhere in the podcast ether. I don't know where it is. We, I don't know if we press record. Somebody's got it. Someone's probably listened to it, the, the people in heaven are, or something like that. But I mean, uh, it is, it's terrifying because I think what we yeah, talked yeah. about is like, could that actually happen? And it is right. you know, like the way it's depicted is, is pretty realistic. I know there's plenty of ways you can like nitpick or whatever, but it's just absolutely bizarre when you watch it unfold how someone could manipulate a situ situation like that and it's just terrifying to see yeah. you do it in real time <clears throat> all right joe why don't we uh move on to your marquee picks here your favorite cover-ups all right thank you matthew uh i think i would be remiss if i didn't mention the boys over at boot crew media our podcasting producers the network they have the sumptuous new studios over there on Magazine Street in New Orleans. Um, go follow them on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at Boot Crew Media. Um, I think I saw a mural being painted today. Did you guys see that? Yeah. it's uh looks like it's got like the New Orleans skyline with the nice Boot Crew Media logo right in the center of it. They yeah. got it looking good. I don't what know if that's, the, like the, the that's, like the, <laughs> that's like the end goal is to have a giant boot crew logo building in the right in the middle of New Orleans. So when this company takes off, it's massive, massive, massive. It's going to be a big On my way home, I definitely see the flag flying uh, <laughs> on Magazine Street. But oh, so anyway, you drive by it every day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the, uh, oh, it's on the cool. commute. So give those boys a wave. Um, so for my number three pick, I'm going with the 2002 classic – Catch me if you can. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, the ultimate confidence man. Good, good. You know, could sell ice, you know, to um to an Eskimo. It's uh just one of those classic films where uh you get wrapped up in DiCaprio's performance. I think uh he and Tom Hanks are you wouldn't necessarily think of them as being, you know, protagonists and foil, you know. Tom Hanks being the bad guy or the, you know, if you think of the law as the baddie, but I really enjoyed that film. Um, what do you guys think? Oh, I love it. It's I think it's almost like Tom Hanks's uh, weird sort of klutzy New York accent or like Yankee accent. I, I don't know. Hey, like Frank, Frank Abagnale. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm Frank, Frank. Yeah, it is. I, I love that movie. And also it just like when you actually it, it's one of those movies, obviously based on a true story. So whenever it's a true story, you have to like read what the actual story was and like sort of, but he was like 18 or 19 when he started all of those crimes, like all those sort of confidence move, like crimes. Yeah. I think he was like only like 23 or 24 when he actually like passed the bar. And then also like 24 when he like was pretending to be a doctor, it just sort of makes you feel like, Holy shit, this kid was so young and was still just fooling everybody like to have that confidence that like not only just have the confidence when you've actually experienced something, you know, you gain confidence from 
experience and learning and you're like okay i could do this now like he literally was just having that confidence never done any of that shit in his life and was still full of yeah Yeah. just amazing yeah so when you think about it like in terms of the history in terms of how old he was it makes it all that more impressive it's so crazy to think he was doing that but yeah i love that story and uh dicaprio and hanks are so good at it you know remind me about that movie and it's it's been some time but didn't that movie get filmed in like 30 days what yeah, Let's I think see. that Let's was like one of who directed two. that. We talked about it. Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. That was Spielberg. Yeah. Well, if anyone could do it, yeah, he's <laughs> like, I've already got everything ready. I mean, just, I have no idea up. what the filming schedule was, but I mean, are you are you saying that's just, incredibly 52 impressive? Fifty-two days. That's really fast. Fifty-two, 52 days in one hundred and forty-seven locations. Break Jesus. that record if you can. Wait, so fifty-two <laughs> to one hundred forty-seven, so three locations a day. Like Spielberg must have just been in a taxi all the time. Well, DiCaprio yeah, like says that scenes that we thought would take three days took an afternoon. Huh. Do you think it was just like one of those, it was like the perfect filming, like after every scene, they're like, oh, that's good, right? One take? We good? We're good. Let's roll. I wonder, if they, like, I wonder if they saved yes. a bunch of money and then just blew it all on the after party. Like it's one of those things where like we budgeted for a hundred million, but we only needed 80. Oh, man. So It made you know, $300 million. Just, <laughs> yeah, just <have laughs> like a... <laughs> I like to think the after party was really just the whole cast and crew and like an airplane just flying around. And then around. just like a harem of 25-year-old women for DiCaprio. Uh, That's probably too old for him. Yeah, probably 21-year-old college students. He's like 21 to 23. <laughs> All right, Joe, go for your number two. All right, my number two is, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, uh, Steve McQueen is a style icon of mine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I could just have the man's wardrobe, Cars, taste in women, everything. I'd be a lucky awesome. guy, right? Would he, would he wear that hat? For those of you uh, watching, on <laughs> check us out on YouTube Live. You can see my Mount Weird beanie. Um, but anyway, yeah, Thomas Crown definitely would not wear this. He'd be wearing a five thousand dollars suit in his uh, Boston mansion, which actually the last time I was in Boston, it's it was built in eighteen oh eight. What's the nice uh, neighborhood in Boston called? Um, Quite a few, I'd imagine. I think it's Chestnut Hill. I think, and he—that's li- where the house is, and it's—it's it's a federal building from 1808, and it is fantastic. Um, Looking it up now. Anyway, um, the Thomas Crown Affair from 1965, classic film with uh, Steve McQueen, and the great thing I love about this, it, with the theme being cover-ups, is that. The way that he sets up this heist is nobody has a chance of ever IDing him. It's the, it's the perfect crime. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Well, I was just about to say, because in the original one, like you were talking about, Joe, with Steve McQueen, is like he has like sort of like a video, like a, a video, right? He's got himself blurred out. It almost looks like the way they put it oh, on screen. Oh, he's got the spotlights behind yeah, him. So it's it, like, yeah, it's like, yeah. So it's almost, it, it looks like a Zoom call, like what we're doing right now, but it's like based in obviously 1970 something. Um, but yeah, that I, I can't remember exactly what differs between that movie and the uh, the Pierce Brosnan one, but it's I was still expecting just entertaining. That was going to be go after artwork and Tom the the one with Pierce Brosnan is sort of a little bit more athletic, right? The way he like darts in and out and like folds it and then yeah. dunks out, like while everything's sort of like collapsing on itself. I can't remember ex- exactly how they do it in the, the original one. Like this, I feel like he's more of a mastermind and less of. Sort he's of the like, mastermind. He get it's a bank heist, right? And so he's able to get all the pieces together and you know and plan it perfectly to where like 
he literally just goes and picks up this bag full of money in a cemetery and he's done like that. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no way he can, he can be traced. Uh, and Faye Dunaway is the insurance adjuster who, who comes to try and uh, investigate uh, the crime. And she ends up, you know, falling in love with him, but, but he ends up leaving her at the end and like hopping on the helicopter, never to be seen again. It's badass. <laughs> it is badass. You think like, you know, like he would, they, he, yeah. they dated in real life, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, Budge. Anyway, so that's a great movie. If you have not seen the Thomas Crown Fear, the 1965 one, go see it. It's well worth it. Um, And I'll move on to my number one pick, and it's going to be the classic. I guess I bet every single person in this podcast saw this movie in the theater when they were growing up. It's Men in Black, Tommy (laughs) Lee Jones and Will Smith, the greatest duo. Um, Also, you know, greatest cover-up if you think about it you know like they're they've got aliens everywhere and we don't know about it and they have you know the noisy cricket what else do you want oh so the cover-up is the fact that there's an agency that knows there's aliens living on earth oh yeah that, that there's okay. like this huge yeah, yeah. Like, okay i got you among us and live you know like you know your wife could be an alien you know what i mean yeah. like i like that okay i got it Wait, I, like I love those movies have a cover-up too maybe not what you, yeah. Well, if you, if, if we're going on that, those kind of themes, you could say like their names are covered up. You know, <laughs> J J and K. Those are not. Well, yeah, names. they have that the uh, the memory eraser that you know that doesn't yes. let people remember that there is there are aliens. So I thought that was the cover up part. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, that and just like yeah, the fact that a lot of these regular humans do not know that there are aliens just walking around. Yeah, talking, and of course, talking the way dogs. Out. I love to sort of relate things to Harry Potter and I guess I've never even like thought about that before, but like (laughs) it is sort of similar to Harry Potter in the sense that there is a sort of magical world existing right before our eyes. And then like, there's only a few people that really know it exists. And just like Joe brought up in terms of memory erasing, that sort of plays heavily into the second uh, Harry Potter movie. Think think about all the muggles. Yeah. Black. Yeah. I think Matthew, I just got a a raging clue as to what one of Matthew's picks might be. Okay, thanks, Budge. Uh, all right, Budge. Go, oh, go. oh, the Hardly Boys? No, go, go for your picks, Budge. Uh, my number three <laughs> is uh, is probably the only TV show that'll be on mine, but it'll be uh, House of Cards. Ooh, uh, I thought about doing that. Just oh. to avoid getting canceled, I'm not picking the American Netflix version. I'm picking the British, and I don't want to associate myself. Oh, okay. Uh, so, we have picked Kevin Spacey in yeah. a few times. Let's okay. just go ahead, well, go ahead and say it. Well, that's a cover-up in itself. The whole crew was covering up the fact that he was like, sexually harassing a bunch of people on uh, during the yeah. production. Where do you begin? Yeah, go uh, for it. So, so as not to endorse that type of behavior, we'll go with the British version with Ian Richardson, which, you know, again, um, you might think that, but I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> couldn't possibly uh, comment. Yep. Yeah, or is it? Yeah. <laughs> It may be hard but, not to bring up the other one. But, you know, obviously they're but they have very similar plots. I mean, obviously just different yeah. uh, government systems. Um, but he works so, his way up through the House, you know, House of Commons. Commons yeah, and then well, and the one is killing like, the reporter. Yeah. Uh, so And then covering it up. But there's also lots of other cover-ups. His sort of ruthless rise to the top. Uh, well, the, the way well, they there's also, 
the one in the original though, Budge, I can't remember how he covers it up, but I felt like it. But in my memory served me correctly. It feels like a really cheap cover up. At least in the one, the Netflix version, they actually sort of have a way to where he can get away with it. But in the original, he just sort of like tosses her off the building, and like mm-hmm. he's the only one there. Like any like sleuthing detective could really put it together. Well, I except guess- for the fact that they had played her to come off as like depressed. Oh yeah, yeah, suicidal. Suicide, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Like the girl stepped in front of the trap. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of forgot about that, but I like feel like Kate there was Mara. something else. It's been so long since I saw the original. We um, also right, had yeah. Stamper, at least in you know the new the American version. He, he, like, he is he's the cover up machine. He's constantly mm-hmm. covering everything up, and he I think he even has to cover up his own murder. Right at one point, he has yeah. to cover up the yeah. cover up. Yeah. Damn it! He, he, he eventually has to like go like uh, again like that was totally unnecessary because she had like gotten a new identity and even disappeared yeah. from his like. Like even like the hackers couldn't find it. They just wanted to make him more evil. Like he went out to New Mexico and just killed her for the hell of it because he's a sociopath. But go, well, go he had to show he had to show Frank. Like I'm 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 with you. Oh, Don't yeah, kill yeah. me. Oh yeah, it's so <laughs> fucked up. It's a, that was that was totally stupid. Like he's the White House chief of staff going out to New Mexico <laughs> and go, like, fucking killing somebody. Uh, um, go for it. Go for your number two, Budge. Uh, my number two. I think I'm gonna Joe might be a little dismayed when I pick it because he probably didn't think of it. Um. But it involves, you know, this, you know, the great speaking of boot crew, the great city of New Orleans, uh, and my alma mater. But that would be the Pelican Brief, John Grisham oh, book, um, and movie starring I'm not Washington, Sam Shepard, yep. Julia Roberts. Uh, but basically, basically a cover up of some shenanigans on behalf of some oil tycoons uh, that was going to be uncovered in a Supreme Court case. So multiple people were killed in order to avoid that. I'm going to spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> But, it's but a, you're, you're worried about spoiling like a movie yeah. from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like a John Grisham wrote it in like 1992. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a well, paranoid VHS. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic film. Beautiful City of New Orleans. Done very well. Um, also, some of like the legal aspects of it are, are interesting. Um, and a true John Grisham fashion, fashion he kind of makes very boring legal jargon and, and legal minutiae entertaining. I think that might be really where he sets himself apart. Uh, but uh, moving on to my number one, my number one is probably the classic. And I, I will take a take a page out of my co-host book here and make it as broad as possible. But it's going to be Fargo, which I think is kind of oh, the yeah. ultimate cover-up movie, right? Like the crimes just kind of escalate, right? From just beginning with uh, the... What's the, what's the actor's name? I can't think of. He's in Shameless. William H Macy. William H Macy. Oh. Yeah, trying to cover up his defrauding. Uh, yeah, with the, the auto companies. Yeah, by you know kidnapping his wife, and then that crime then being covered up by uh, Steve Buscemi and whoever the crazy guy is. Ends up uh, in the wood chipper, bro. The wood chipper. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's a classic film, and it's also that it's kind of speaking of it's also the most uh, you can. I would. I was kind of when I was watching this movie we're about to review was constantly kind of thinking of. You know, this is like a lot like Fargo. You can obviously tell that. It, that's why I was going to say people called this movie, and I think Fargo did a black comedy. I guess I didn't think it was that funny. Fargo, I thought, was probably funnier. Uh, then, the, then, yeah. Were, uh, yeah. Fargo was yeah. I didn't want to talk about this, this movie. Yeah. yeah. No, and and I, I think Fargo was absolutely an ins- yeah. like an inspiration for yeah. Blow the Man Down in terms for of especially sure. like geographic, not geographical, but sort of like especially catering to sort of like a certain accent and small yeah. regional town and sort of oh, cover up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. was very, very. And, and the whole I, time I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is like a poor man's Fargo. 
and it's I was felt like I mean it had a very Cohen Brothers uh, vibe to it. To very it, cool. Sure. That's yeah. the whole thing I was thinking. I was like, I wonder if somebody was you know. Can't believe Subi's grandmother was doing all that shit. <laughs> that was the other oh, thing. Dude. I, I love that actress. <laughs> dude, that's two the two times we've seen her on screen during this podcast. She is just an absolute beast. She's <laughs> good. She's also in the, uh, the show. She's in the uh, show Shame, Shameless. <laughs> oh, with William H Macy. And with yeah. William H Macy, who, by the way, his character Frank is constantly covering up things. Oh yeah, you betcha. Uh, but I'd be I'd be remiss yeah. if I didn't add this on the Fargo that uh, during quarantine I finally got around to watching uh, the FX series, which is kind of an anthology series. So I'm through two seasons, uh, and it's excellent. And, and just stop great. right there yeah. because the third and fourth season just aren't up the snuff. See, the I've heard skip the third and go to the fourth. Is that Matthew? Is that huh? Somebody told me to. A bunch of people have told me to skip the third and go to the fourth. Oh, I tried to. I tried to watch the fourth, and I, it still wasn't as good as the first two. But the first two were fantastic. The second ones, I, I really enjoyed the second one. But I guess the first one's probably a better overall story. But the second one, I loved like the music and the way like the the editing of it was so much fun because it like sort of did that seventies sort of like mm-hmm. different dual panel editing with all the yeah. stuff coming in and out. So it's kind of like Thomas Crown Affair a little bit uh, <laughs> in terms of like how uh, the different panels were coming in. Yeah. No, but I, I love the, the television version of Fargo. It's fantastic. Um, all right, so I'm going to wrap wrap up Budge's picks, and we'll, we'll me, run yeah. to mine. I'm done for me. And we'll run, run to mine real quick, and then we'll get into Blow the Man Down. So number three, I'm surprised Joe didn't bring this one up because I feel like Joe's a big fan of this. So I went with the uh, Count of Monte Crisco, Montego, Ooh. Framing Edmondson, and Into the Island. Number two, Budge, I don't know if this is what you're going to pick or call me, like, call me out on, but I do have a Harry Potter one here. Which one do you think it is, Budge? Uh, is it the Prisoner of Azkaban? Oh, you're right. Yeah, so Peter Pettigrew sure. framing Sirius Black yeah. and yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban getting getting away with it. Could that it be was, another one? That wasn't interesting. Uh, I'm thinking it. of Hubie's mom with that raging clue. Remarkably <laughs> long lived for a rat. Number one, number one. Nobody. I've got Scar killing Mufasa and then obviously claiming oh, Simba Jesus. was dead as well. Oh, and what a nice cover up. But also just because I only brought this one up because I saw a new theory mm-hmm. online about how Scar did the cover up as well. And like, so that like if I don't know if it was intentional or not, but obviously. That's what lines Yeah. Did. Yeah. The eight, did, did you see that? Oh, no, I literally, I seriously just guessed that. No. Oh, no, well, no, no, no. So, like, what happened was, I mean, like, so obviously he gets trampled by the wildebeest, but then later there's some, like, uh, he has some sort of monologues or almost like Lion King Shakespearean monologue because he's, he's, like, quoting Hamlet, right? And he's holding the uh, the uh, the skull. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Oh. So, and, and so what some people did oh online was they took, like, a lion's skull and then, like, they showed the, it looked exactly like the skull that Scar was holding up, right? So, like, you know how Hamlet's holding up a human skull? This was a, a lion skull. So, people were theorizing that he went back and cannibalized his own brother. Because, right? And in Hamlet, I, I really don't know. I know, but the, I th- yeah, yeah. Sort of like I'm, family tragedy. Right, right. Uh, um, but yeah. Can you drop that link in our chat <laughs> or send it to us? I'm I don't know. It was, it was something like intrigued you it by that. It wasn't like anything crazy. It just basically sort of like was any type of YouTube conspiracy thing where it just took like a, a picture of a lion skull and then, you know, freeze framed it and then juxtaposed it next to what the scene was in uh, Lion King. It's not that I'm crazy. Sh- I'm sure people um, took it really well though. But it, it was just like, it was just Alas, one of those things. Yeah. It's just one of those Dude. things like, is Disney more twisted than we think? Like, cause Disney does like to sort of like insert adult jokes in the game yeah, and stuff like that. So people were like, Oh, maybe they sort of like had scar kill Mufasa. So yeah, if you are listening, go back and rewatch that. Um, because it just doesn't make it a little bit interesting. 
But so we're going to move on to blow the man or down. Simba, if that's true. <laughs> Talk about, I mean, I hope he's getting therapy. Uh, yeah, I think in Lion King too, he figures it out. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to blow the man down. Amazon original movie from, I, I guess it came out last March. So it's pretty recent. Just the 2019. Year. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's It was, and I, I didn't write down who the directors and stuff were, but I think they were like first time directors. Uh, first time kind of writers, first feature, first time directing. I think they obviously came up with a pretty successful product. Um, so before we, uh, when we start this, I kind of, we talked about like, I always like to bring up tone and we talked about tone last time with Dirty Dozen. So I kind of want to talk about the same here because Blow the Man Down is sort of described as a black comedy and also a thriller. We already sort of hinted at it, talking about how it relates to Fargo, which definitely sort of was able to pull off t- those two vibes. But did you think this was like very successful in being both funny and sus- suspenseful? Or did you find it like that it was trying to be like too hard, trying to be two things and like not really accomplish that goal? Or what do you think? Do you think it was more of a comedy? Did you think it was actually a thriller? Or did you think it was just like, I, I don't know, because I kind of felt it was trying to be something. And I don't know if it fully succeeded or not. What do you think, Preston? Uh, real quick, the directors were Bridget Savage Cole and Danielle Crudy. So two Two female directors, which is pretty cool. I don't think we see that much. Um, but to your question, I, you know, I really enjoyed this movie. I knew nothing about it uh, until like I, it was it was my pick for the movie, and I was <laughs> just scouring the internet and trying to find like a good thriller, a good kind of mystery, something like different. And I came across this one, not knowing much about, not ever really even hearing about it. And so when I looked it up, I saw it first. I saw it billed as like a mystery drama. And then I did see like a dark uh, somewhere else being like a dark comedy. And yeah, as I watched it, sure. There were like a couple of parts that were kind of funny, uh, but like, you know, this might be my one beef is, is reading somewhere that it said it was a dark comedy and then watching it and being like, that's not, this isn't the funniest movie, <laughs> you know, but why, why, when I, when I looked on Wikipedia and it said dark comedy, I, I, I looked back at the movie and I really didn't think there was any funny moments really at all. I guess I, at least to me, there wasn't any like laugh out loud. There wasn't any like jokes that I go, Oh yeah. But I, like, I, maybe the, some of the premise or like the, like I, I was, when I was watching, uh, June Squibb, who we were, just, we were talking about earlier, her character and like the other two women, <laughs> they're like these matriarchs. Like, it was like a, a matriarch mafia kind of deal, you know, <laughs> like at first and, and then you throw Enid in there and it's just to me like that dynamic, those characters were all uh, you know, particularly strong. I mean, particularly Enid was a, was a uh, I thought an excellent character but they all held their own in such a way that like, it, 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 I guess that's where you could find some of the comedy but I definitely didn't find it really in the sisters. Um, again, you know, again, like I just want to know kind of where where were they trying to put the comedic touches? Because I could I could sit here and analyze it and be like, well, I guess the sisters were a little funny in the fact that like they didn't know what the fuck to do about this <laughs> uh, murder that they you know one of them committed, and it's like a oh shit kind of thing. But but even that, like, nah, not that funny. Morgan yeah, Saylor I mean, I, was way too angsty to be what, funny. What do you think, Bud? Is that Dana like, from Homeland? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, that oh, was God. Dana from Homeland? Oh, yeah. God. No, just no, so wonder, much no wonder it wasn't funny because she's the most depressing character in a TV oh, show. She was so tough. Oh, she God. Was, I just, I hate I remember her. watching that. Emily and I were always like, 
and she's Damn like it, the type Dana. that like you know b- blames you for all of her problems and you're just like whoa i whoa you know i didn't yeah. Know, you know, like, yeah she was much more tolerable and well obviously her character i'm sure she's a fine person but uh but anyway yeah so like I, you know i did i didn't it's like i was seeking some funny parts i was trying to find it and i mean like the themes are all pretty damn serious and like it's it's a like some really unfortunate things. So like I I don't you know I I definitely prefer mystery drama over dark comedy. But maybe I need to see it again. What What do you think, Budge? Because you're the one comparing it to Fargo. Did you think it was as funny as Fargo? Did you like find it suspenseful? Like, well, I, so you asked two questions. Earlier, yeah. Well, right? I just think, think it was trying to like be something that maybe no, it can, wasn't. I understand. So let's answer the first one. Was this a black comedy? I think it's very important that we reiterate here that I don't think it ever said this is a black comedy anywhere. That's just something we saw when we Googled it. Uh, that's so a good point they, they may not have thought, wanted my it that immediate way. thought with that though was that was there i don't think it's any secret that the host of the goes this podcast are all southern was it that it was so there were some regional things about new england that we didn't get that went over our heads totally i don't possible. know if there were but it's a possibility number it, you know and, I, and i'll say this going into this answering your second question as to whether this was did it not succeed was it trying to do too much was it trying to be too much of a black comedy to be a crime caper and as a result, didn't succeed at either. I thought, like, okay, let's let's compare this on the spectrum, right? Fargo's probably the classic in between. It's an excellent criminal, like, escapade cover-up situation, but it's also very humorous. On the more humorous side of that, like, funnier than Fargo, but less of a, let's say, serious or, like, a good plot point is the nice guys. But that's far funnier than Fargo, and it's certainly far funnier than this. Then maybe this one slides on that other end of the spectrum where it's like not even that funny. But I thought the criminal aspect of this was done very well. Like the plot and that whole play, I, I enjoyed. Like I didn't think that it was, you know, at all yeah. beneath Fargo or what. Or well, anything. did you find it like suspenseful? Were you watching? Did you ever like feel that they were like in serious danger or like how like can you like point to any specific moment? I almost felt like it kind of plotted and I was entertained, but well, I didn't feel like suspense. I didn't feel like no, oh my well, goodness, yeah, the stakes like are when so she high. didn't have the knife, and then I immediately noticed when they put the body in the cooler that it had their logo on it. Oh, like oh. yeah, I thought there was I a lot that. of suspense in that because oh. you were like these people have made you saw them making two glaring mistakes. And yeah, for sure, you know. <laughs> And the so the only moment where I was like, oh, shit, was when they had to sort of like loan out the boat when she even agreed to that. And they were like, oh, we found a dead body, blah, blah, blah. And I, like I, that was the only moment where I thought like, oh, man, maybe they can connect it to this and maybe they're going to find something or like whatever. But other than that, I really didn't like it never really felt like, you know, I, I don't know, like that that the, they were ever going to like get in trouble or anything. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm the entire time, I thought that they were like the knife was the red herring and it was going to be the cooler that got them. Yeah, I, I will say, and I know we'll talk about it. I did kind of have that feeling at the very end, um, which also I thought was maybe that might have been one of the funnier parts in so kind of a, I a don't twisted know, way. I don't know if this is a wheel question, and if not, you know, it's where I'll just say it now. But one of the things I thought that would have made this funny is if the police came at the end and came to arrest them and they arrested her and they're reading the charges and it was for knocking over. <laughs> like the stand-up thing like uh, uh that would have been funny because they're sitting there thinking captain like, dick or whatever it yeah was. and they like and they get her for like dui <laughs> well yeah i mean that, that would be an interesting that's the other thing too is like i was wondering why is she covering up because like her literal her life was in danger she could have argued it was self-defense i mean well, like it was almost it wasn't like even it wasn't like an accident. Like she was drunk and she hit somebody and like killed them and tried to cover up something. She was actually like 
killed that's, somebody in that's, self-defense. Well, that's debatable. That's why I thought this movie was good because it was not extremely clear to me that her life was in danger from that guy. She read into those signals. That could have easily been the fish. That could have easily been fish blood. We don't know that he killed anybody in there. He worked I think at C-Town. Yeah. We don't know that he was going to kill her. She might have overreacted. He didn't have a weapon. So the other thing, aspect of that too, is then they subsequently committed a crime by covering it up. Yeah. Like, so right. they're already, they're in it. You know, even if you think it was self-defense, they've subsequently committed crimes after that. And well, I'm yeah, I was, I was just thinking that I first think moment, I was just thinking that this first moment. moment when the sister was going to call the police, I was like, just do it. Like she could like, you know, this guy was clearly trying to like rape her or yeah. something like, I don't, just, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's that clear. And I think that that's, that's what made them nervous. Well, yeah, you, got, you got your lawyer hat on right now. She did like, I, yeah, I she killed it. him to like Barbie, save herself I'm from, I'm not giving anyone legal advice here. Yeah. Okay. Joe, what do you think? Was it funny? Did you, were you like, did you worry about these characters at all? Did you find it sort of like heart racing and intense? What'd you think? There was definitely some quips from the old ladies and (laughs) from the madam, uh, from Enid. She definitely, you know, like I I thought that there was a good line that Enid had at the end of the film when she was like, I need this. Like I got a hole in my head. Like I need a hole (laughs) in my head. And I was like, man, she's about to get a shot. But yeah, I thought that was like foreshadowing with five minutes left to go in the movie. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Um, But, you know, I I thought there I thought it was it wasn't as clever as a Coen Brothers film, but uh, there was definitely some funny parts. I mean, it was I mean, it's not like slap your knee funny, but it, 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 it wasn't like a serious horror film either. Well, if you want to compare it, though, like to Coen Brothers and Fargo, did did you think they like really amped up the regional aspect of it the way they did in Fargo? I mean, that's part of one of the things that people remember most is just sort of those accents. I will say that, like, sometimes I thought that uh, June Squibb, like, honestly forgot to put (laughs) on her uh, her uh, Boston accent. You know, (laughs) like she'd actually be like, oh, well, I should actually say park my car in Boston Yard. You know, like she should actually, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) we're going to get on to June Squibb. Right. Are they in but, Maine? Yeah, yeah I thought it was Maine. Maine. Yeah, but Which I mean is, the same New New England accent. They were trying to you know say yeah. you know. Basically, the only Canada, thing they really like they, they kept on saying lobster they, without the R like the yeah. New England lobster lobster. Oh, yeah. Everything yeah. else like it, it didn't feel like it was completely a hundred percent committed to being New England. What do you think, Budge? Were you like immersed in Maine culture, or did you think it could have been well, better? Well, now that we're on it, like on the lobster roll. I was going to bring this up when I discussed acting. I didn't think it would come up, but that's probably the thing that bothered me the most about this movie was that Margot Martindale, uh, I'm not sure where she's from, but she's definitely Southern. You know, she's been an excellent actress, award-winning in shows like Justified and The Americans. I cannot talk, you know, speak Texas. higher about this woman. She's, yeah, she's a Southerner in Justified. She does a great job. In The Americans, she plays a normal, you know, a, a, a Russian spot. But she does an excellent job in that. And then Annette O'Toole's also a Southerner. But every time those two talked, I kept sounding like us trying to do a New England accent. <laughs> right? it, it, it wasn't good. It was like two Southern people. I could tell just doing, listening to them that they were from the South. I but, thought Enid was pretty good. Or Enid was, okay, I see what you're saying. Because Enid yeah. did kind of have, she was good at playing the role of a madam. And I mean, I think she's such a great character. The accent, I guess, would be maybe the worst part. But like, I I could hear it at times, but now now that you're saying this, maybe she did fall into that kind of like old Southern Savannah, like, <laughs> you know. It, but then like go right back to, yeah. you know, I, well, I mean, it's, yeah. what is the main accent? I, I agree, and it's, it's, just, it's difficult. I don't know, but I'm just saying I could tell when I was listening. This sounds like the four of us attempting to talk like we were from Maine. 
you know, in some in some degree. That is I'm, funny though, Preston. You're you're right. Like the Enid character, she did sort of almost like fluctuate between trying to sound like she's from New England and she did like like sort of almost want to be like some southern oh, mistress. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Yeah, I'm the southern madam and yeah. well, everybody's and that other here lady, my place. And the lady with the uh the salmon colored sweater and the the um the vest on, she was like, You need to look at yourself in the mirror. And I was like, The mirror? Wait, are you that. talking about are you talking about a netto tool? Yeah, when she yeah, the, the, it sounded like she was from Tennessee or something. Yeah. I was like, yeah, remain. Uh, this, like, yeah. Well, speaking of this, like, so Budge brought up House of Cards, but our no, uh, Joe who did I forgot, yeah, but no, like the, the Enid character, like she is like if you remember Catherine Durant, who's actually from Louisiana, but they sort of had that right. same sort of demeanor. But maybe obviously Catherine Durant had that huge southern accent, but she almost like I guess she really oh, House of Cards. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. They okay. sort of had that sort of like same demeanor about them. Um, but yeah, so so maybe we can sort of move on to this because I, I obviously sort of gave away my hand in terms of like, I didn't really find it to be a thriller or a comedy at all. So I didn't think it was quite there, but like, how would you have like maybe approached it or fix it? We already kind of talked about Eden, Eden, Eden a little bit of thing for their name, uh, Enid. Enid. but like, I, if it would have been more suspenseful, maybe the girls could have been a bit more desperate. It didn't really feel like they were ever really, uh, to me, I didn't feel like they were like desperate or really in like a life threatening or like situation where they didn't really up the stakes. Like, Oh, you could go to prison for life. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Like the cops never really confronted them because they didn't really know until the end. Like nobody really even confronted them about yeah. the situation until like the last 20 minutes of the movie or last 15 minutes of the movie. And like, did you think that Enid could have been like a better villain? Like she wasn't, I mean, she was kind of a villain, but at the same time, like she didn't like put people in a situation. She did, I guess, have that one girl killed, but she didn't really like feel like she yeah. was forcing the issue that much. And then like the old ladies, I mean, like, they were like manipulative and powerful, but like we didn't really get in terms of like what exactly they could and couldn't do. I, I I don't know. Like, and the cops were sort of like, I don't know. I don't want to call them bumbling, but they didn't really feel like they were desperate to solve the case either. They were just sort of like kind, of, kind of going around. Like, did, did you think the film needed a bigger sense of urgency to like really hit home the thriller aspect, or what? What did y'all think? Like, who would you have amped up or elevated to sort of make the film a little bit better? Well, I think that. You know, I think that one of the themes of the film was kind of to make every male in the film kind of seem either like dumb <laughs> or bumbling, incompetent, a horror oh Here we know, go. Like, <laughs> so, like, it, you really didn't have that suspense of thinking that they'd ever get caught, right? Yeah. So, like, you, like, the, either like the good Catholic boy, like, you never thought that he was actually going to crack the case. And then when he did you know like it was kind of a moot point i he didn't even I, like I, he didn't... I just completely disagree with y'all because i yeah. thought they were going to get caught at several occasions and i was almost positive by whom like, by the young detective like the young policeman well, and like when they like they made so many mistakes and then particularly when that detective figures out that she's lied twice and that she wasn't where she said she would be right like, where she was yeah. like he knows something's up, and I thought what was I thought what was going to happen, but he didn't like. Yeah, he would okay, ultimately, course. you know, figure it out, but then left, you know, like not say anything. You right, know, yeah. small towns look after small towns, and that's not what occurred. But well, let's let's put it even this way though: like even if they had found the knife, the cops, like there wasn't a body, and there wasn't like blood on the floor, so like there really wasn't even a murder scene, right? So like, no, but even you if they... knew that thing was that, but that thing was going to pop back up. Like you knew the whole time that second body yeah. was going to be found. Well, the second body wasn't found. 
it, no, it, it was like you see her like emptying out the cooler but like that's yeah. the other thing too like if you're gonna dispose of a body why are you putting in a floating cooler like right up against crashing waves hold on hold on hold on are you saying they didn't find gorski the cops didn't no the cops didn't. right but you i mean I'm you know it happened at the end yeah of the yeah, movie, yeah, right? yeah 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 at the end but, but i but the whole my point is were y'all just that whole time y'all were just like hey gorski might not be found the entire time i knew he was going to be found and I knew that that was going to be what set it off. It just didn't occur. The cop. Yeah, well, that, well, that's what I was thinking. I thought. But I thought. But that's I thought just, to was. me. That's suspenseful because they, I think they're, it, knowing, it, they're living on borrowed time. There's a is, cooler with their business on it. With I know. I'm, I'm with you, but lying about their whereabouts. Like that is suspenseful to me. I, I'm with <laughs> you, but because not only is it suspenseful, but like the cooler does get found, and it doesn't get found yeah. by the cops, yeah. which like. Then, like the ending to me really ties it together because I think what you have here is a story of like a community that has been there for generations that all kind of knows each other, all the families are tied together. So, like, you know, part of me didn't think that they were like, I thought maybe they could get caught, but like, I I never thought it was going to be a big deal because they're in this like close knit community. Their, Their mom apparently was pretty well connected. And like, yeah, you've got some of these characters that don't really seem to hold any strength compared to some of these like matriarchs and 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 maybe to some extent, like the sisters felt protected throughout. I don't know. But like, I think I think the thing about a cooler with a dead body floating around this whole time is certainly something that like you can forget about as you're watching the movie. But I mean, it's such a huge part because it plays into all of their anxiety and all of their like, you know, impulsivity, which is which is another theme in the film. Well, I mean, it definitely was in the back of my mind, but after that first, like, I, I felt like it was just used for that first, like, scare tactic of, oh, a body washed up, and you're like, oh, this is going to be it, but it was actually the body of, like, the dead prostitute. Yeah. And I guess, like, like Budge was saying, that, like, it's probably in the back of your mind the whole time, but it didn't feel like they didn't show it in the sense, like... It, it, they it showed sort of... the cooler coming up to water. Like, yeah. it floated up, so you knew it was going to wash ashore. But then they showed, uh, yeah. Remember I, they show it during the during the they show it three different times. They yeah. show it like when it goes in. I think, of course, they show it towards the middle where it's like you see. Okay, now it's floating, so it's floating around. You also have the point where you think uh, they're going to stumble upon it in her boat, which is like, oh god. So that's three different kind of times where and you're like, you don't see it to the end. You're watching. Well, I, I think and it's then at the end, things. it's like Watch boom. It. Wow, it should it should have been done like maybe like because i think that's confusing because it, it does i don't know if you actually like uh, maybe i didn't see it too much but it should have been something kind of like jaws or something where like <laughs> i was just thinking gets, that <laughs> where it gets like sunk you know where he yeah. sinks the barrels and they sort of walk away and go oh job done <laughs> it sank to the bottom and then it shoots back up and then it, that's something that would like indicate to the viewer this shit's gonna like bite them in the ass or or i have like a musical interlude whenever like you see like don't uh, yeah <laughs> well I, I just think yeah that would be great the film is pretty it's like, is pretty the, subtle the, that body's coming back you know yeah yeah well yeah, i'm just yeah i guess like uh, budge i mean you're we probably you're, you're probably just a, you're a very intelligent viewer in the sense <laughs> that you're constantly thinking this in terms of, like legal things and maybe i'm thinking about it in terms of all right they've already used that plot device they've gotten rid of it you're thinking like oh this is actually like this is still going to come back up. I don't know. Like I, I, once that one scare happened, I was like, I, I, I just didn't even really think about the cooler anymore. I thought I was thinking more about the knife. Um, but yeah, I, but it, they tried to, to pull see, you I, away. I, yeah. Again, I, I thought the knife was the red herring that they were focusing on the knife 
and when that was irrelevant to the yeah well the knife is not a human body floating in a cooler it's not irrelevant right like it's still a big aspect they made two mistakes you know yeah well yeah i i understand i i just i I thought it could have like like i said i thought they all could have been a little bit elevated a little bit more i thought like if they would have shown like if they would actually discover the body the one dude's body or whatever really would have put the pressure on the cops to solve it more. And that really would have put the pressure on like the, the, the two girls in terms of, Oh man, we really, really fucked up. But like when you only just have a, like the knife sort of lingering out there, it didn't really feel as much like the stakes were as high as if they would have found the actual body. I don't know. I, I was just, I, it didn't, the, the film didn't really have the same sense of urgency that maybe I was expecting it to have in terms of a cover up movie. I, I don't know um especially like joseph like the cops you never really to me i never got the impression that they were really doing all that much they were sort of on the case but didn't really feel like they were even no one even knew who the dude was that was missing the sense they were trying to solve the case of a missing prostitute so it wasn't like they were even actually sort of on the case for the girls if that makes sense like that's another thing too like they weren't trying to solve the case of the murder that we witnessed they were trying to solve a case of like the one that didn't involve them I guess we did actually see yeah. that word at the very beginning, but it's almost I mean, like they were they were honestly looking at something else. That's the other thing. I think I I if I would concede anything in that and what you're saying, I would probably like the cop angle, or at least have them be a little bit more competent. But then also, it just like again, it kind of speaks to this small New England town where you know it's just you're like we'll see a bunch of crimes. I mean, this is a classic, right? Like, you know, mis- you know, criminal or mystery plot device is that like the small town local PD are ill-equipped to investigate a murder. Yeah. And I was, I mean, also just obviously it was not like premeditated. It wasn't like, it doesn't seem like this place has got all this crime. And, and I think, you know, you've got these two suspects who are, they're like the least, you know, well, su- suspected people there could be in that town for a murder, I guess. Would you have liked it if the cop was like the one old cop was like a dirty cop? I know that he like obviously was a, a he like alluded to that. Well, he was like a frequent patron at the whorehouse, but would you have liked it he if he was sort of like cop. if he would have known about like the dead prostitute and been like trying to obfuscate whatever I can't think of the right word. Obfuscate. Like he, he is like partner, like, hey man, quit looking at it. Like he didn't really like he wasn't trying to do that. He was just kind of lazy. I think yeah, he's like I. I don't have much to do in this town ever. <laughs> so not, I think he was like, I mean, I'm not gonna be able to solve a murder. He's like, yeah, if, if you want to do that, I'm, I'm like about to retire. I don't, I don't know like how much that would have made the plot better. Like, I think that you've got the the suspense there is from like the cop, the younger cop, kind of make that name for himself, but also having a crush on the sit, you know, the older sister. So like, in that sense, I think that if if anything, it sounds like y'all want that like. Y'all wanted to see more of the their them maybe getting caught, and I think that's how you have to do it. Like, screw the older cop. I don't think that would have made that any more interesting. Make the other guy a bit more of a gumshoe and out to prove himself. And and I think to a degree, that's what they were trying to put that chip on his shoulder. Like, remember when he went and talked to the guy that owned all the cabins? He was like, "Did you play ball with Donna?" He was like, "I ran the scoreboard." You know, it was kind of like you know he got shit on by a lot of people, like subtly. And I think maybe that's a lot of the humor we missed because it's like New England where they were like. Oh, did you play ball with my boy? And he's like, no, but I, I don't know. That might have been something I was supposed to laugh at, but instead I I, miss, I did chuckle, but I kind of felt like, okay, that's the guy is now going to have this chip on his shoulder to solve his crime because he doesn't feel respected. 
Yeah. Well, it, I mean, there, there, there just wasn't much of like a resolution in terms of he didn't even actually solve the crime at the end. He just kind of knew that the girls were lying. He didn't really actually fully put it together unless you just want to assume he did. I mean, like, so so speaking of that, like, what did you, you think about the ending? Did you like that they sort of got off scot-free? Did you think they deserved to at least have some form of punishment? Or, like, did you like that just, like, the one villain died and, like, the prostitute sort of got out of town because they sort of deserved to be free and everyone else sort of kind of, everyone kind of got what they deserved? But, but like Budge was saying, like, they were kind of guilty even though we knew that the one guy they killed was kind of a dirtbag. What do you think, Budge? Would you like to see them like face consequences? Or do you think it's like, I, it's like I said, I, I really, and I was expecting this at the very end that they were going to get arrested and they were going to think it was for the crime, but it was going to be for the DUI <laughs> and, like, and like knocking down the, well, like one of those things, like we know you're not telling the truth, but the only thing we can put together is that you were behind the wheel that like hit big. That's going to be exactly the whole, that'd be the pressure is that they think they're going away for, you know, murder or, you know, or covering up, you know, a, for a dead body and then the, the, the only thing they've got on them and that's the only thing they think they're guilty of like the whole time the guy's like i knew you were lying and she's like yeah and fucking he, prove like, it and he's like <laughs> i knew i knew you knocked over paul bunyan or whatever it was that's yeah what but um that that's that's where i was what i was thinking i, I you know as far as I, I you know again seeing them like go consequences you know I thought the way it was going to be resolved was they were going to let him go, but she was not going to go to college. She's going to have to end up, they were going to have to work at the shop. Right. She's going to have I, to, like, think, I mean, that's basically, I mean, down. they didn't, they didn't get the money though. So I think that's sort of what happened. Right. I mean, cause the, the prostitutes wound up leaving with the money. They mm-hmm. returned a bunch of them. I guess they got to keep like 10 grand or something. Cause they handed it over, but did they actually like give that back? Cause they said, I don't want your dirty money. So I think they sort of just, started they ended where they started in a sense they didn't gain any money and she couldn't No, yeah I, I don't think they were awarded whatsoever i i just i would say also worth noting i kind of laughed that pro- other prostitute was uh the wolf girl from glow and uh she was also perry mason but i chuckled when i saw her i thought that if anything that that was going to be used for a little more humor and it really wasn't no it was actually more sad what yeah. do you think, Joe? Like, did, did you were you satisfied with how they sort of all got con- like the consequences that they met, or what did you think? No, I, I don't. I definitely don't think that they deserved any kind of punishment. Um, the guy got what he deserved. Um, Garcecki or whatever his name was, the guy Gorsky. who tried to rape Gorsky, the guy, guy who tried to rape y'all. Got him. Y'all got him. Y'all are jumping to that. Like, I did not take away the fact that it was for sure he was going to kill and rape her. Like, I did not think. Well, he had already assaulted her. Like. He had assaulted her, and also didn't had he lie. really? He was, she was going nuts, and he was like, "Hey, calm down!" And then she took off down the dock, like that's dangerous. No, they grappled for a while, and he, and she was like, "Stop, stop!" And then she ran all like, and then yeah. like he was coming he's like going her. after her. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think that he can't. You, you're forgetting what's he supposed to do? Just drive away and leave this woman out in the cold in a dress with no jacket? And, Are you, you know, saying he was like a southern gentleman I'm, now? Listen, not, she'd I'm also pop saying, the trunk I, and see the blood. You, I'm, what yeah. I'm telling you is if this is her defense report, yeah. she's got holes. She's got lots of holes in this case. It is not a cut-and-dry self-defense at all. Well, well, this it, isn't he, a cool he had thing, a like, gun. He had drugs. He She pops the trunk, and it's got a bloody tar with hair. Never, and, and he's in a fishing town. He's got all money. not that crazy. Well, I think I'm just saying he probably could get away with it. That's what I like like about this movie is that I got the impression she knew that it wasn't clear case of self defense, and that's why she wanted to cover up the body. They just wanted to cover it up because she couldn't get her story straight. See, I I think that's y'all missed 
a big thing there. Then. Why do you think that she was all they were because the they, reason they she messed up, that, she knew she film. messed up by covering up the body. Like she should have just called the police. Well, that's well, what I was getting at earlier. I think the, the well, reason she like covered it up is because she didn't want to get a DUI because they hit the, the big Jack sign or whatever. So she like, uh, if she called the police or whatever, she would have had to admit to being in the car that hit that. And they'd have been like, Oh, well you were wasted and driving and stuff like that. Maybe I'm almost putting things together, but I don't think uh, budge. I, I don't know. If I, I agree hundred percent with what you just said or whatever, that she's sort of cognizant of all that at the same time. You have to, no, sort of I think they're very well aware that they should not have covered up that body. And that that was a crime. And I, that's why she didn't call the police. She went back to her sister. So, I mean, we could just disagree on this. But that, I mean, again, I think this is going to be very different, differently in our scores. I thought that was well done. Yeah, well, I, it's I, weird. Like, I think all that was well done, too. I'm not, and I've agreed with you mostly, not necessarily, or at least not with this, uh, the lawyer aspects. But, I mean, although, like, you're probably right. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, if that dude had a really good defense attorney, he would have gotten off in terms of, like, not being a assaulting her or whatever but i think if she had a good defense attorney she could have definitely gotten i guess it just depends on who argues it better but i mean she she definitely think, was pinned up against the wall he definitely sort of pursued her afterwards she definitely us said having no this conversation is indicative that it's not cut dry well, well that's I'm it's not a saying fine, i agree I with you that he didn't assault her well, well, what, what are we even arguing so over weird. are we arguing well, over if he, if he was going to kill her or are we arguing over if he was going to force himself <laughs> because y'all don't the reason y'all don't think the stakes were high because y'all think that she never actually did anything wrong to begin with and that's why y'all don't feel the stakes were sufficiently high i completely disagree with that analysis i think the I stakes think are high on the fact extremely high like she has not she might have committed murder and by you know that that is a I don't know what Maine's rules are, but there might be capital punishment in there. The stakes like, are high to me either way. If it's murder or self-defense. I mean, that's <laughs> I think that's the whole point. Like, I don't know if they're like, but I, I love that I you're mean, looking that deep into it, but I feel I, like well, they're because, because that's to me what made this movie suspenseful was that if she gets caught, there's a chance she's committed a capital crime. Well, sure. I mean, I, I think if she gets caught, there's also I mean, that's the whole the whole yeah, thing about this like, town. Is there's so many sinister things going on? It's like, what well, this person gets caught, that person gets caught. But I think a lot of it, and I'll just go ahead and tell you how I feel about the ending. <laughs> I think a lot of it is like, this is a, like, we are, I feel like we're coming to the end of like a saga of particularly the daughter, the sister's mother, I think her name was Mary Margaret, Enid, and the other three women who I, who it, who it seems like kind of run this town in one way or another, or at the very least have so much sway and power that they've kind of been up to some shenanigans for what seems to be decades, or at least, you know, like Mary Margaret and Enid certainly have, and the others have kind of known about it. And that was a weird big way. reveal too. Like, Oh yeah. Your dead mom was kind of involved in running a whorehouse. But like I, I never, it, tie, it all ties in though. Yeah. It all ties in. That's yeah. the thing. And then, and then what's so great about the ending is a, they don't get caught. They don't get arrested. You know, that's the thing is like, I don't think these characters are like the the cop and some of these other characters, they're just there to they're kind of service really what is the movie's all about, which is all these female protagonists or antagonists, however you want to look at them. But I think like you've got at the very end, here comes the spoiler. You basically those three women who, again, are kind of protecting the sisters and again, acting in a in a in a way that like they know they can also get away with it, essentially taking that body that they found and disposing of it and i want to talk about that too like 
as they're like singing these these sea shanties, which is awesome. I love that they're singing them now at the end, and you're kind of realizing what's going on. Are we to assume that they chopped up the rest of the body and buried them in their fucking front yards? Or I thought fed them to the fish and used as bait. Well, but the other two, like not June Squibb's character, the other two have shovels and they're like it's almost like i'm waiting for them to look at the girls and wink and be like we got you you know like <laughs> to me i thought it was a fucking killer ending i thought it was epic you know just watching it all go down and being like those old broads found that body chopped it up and buried it in their fucking <laughs> front yards and we're like let's continue this this uh this little town we've got here i thought it was awesome it's like you know, it no, nobody's like, going to bring any bad news upon us. We're going to well, just the ending rocking. like felt like it would be, it'd be like one of like a middle scene in like a horror movie or something like people were it almost felt like they were in. Well, I guess in, in a way it was like, you know, like when you like are like a horror movie and like you the characters like enter a town, like an unfamiliar town. They see like creepy things going on. They're like, where the fuck are we? In yeah. a way, the ending was these people, these two girls realized that their town wasn't what they thought it was. Well, and so that, you yeah, know, in a way, like for sure. they, they didn't really. And so, like, the whole movie's that. It like, yeah. it's like this constant uh, crescendo to like the very end, where it's like, okay, this town is fucking nuts. Our mom was nuts. These <laughs> women are so nuts, and they're gonna save our fucking hide and uh, Wait, is it, whiskey it, in the front lawn. It's that. It's that too. But it's not like they they were cognizant. It's not like the the whorehouse or whatever was some big secret. And it's not. It's not a secret that like the right. woman was friends with her mom either. So like they had to sort of know that their mom sort of knew about this stuff and that she was friends with Enid. So like because you know like they know her and they she, Enid like calls them by name and stuff and know them pretty well. So it's it does when that well, reveal she, happened. She it almost really makes you feel like they should have well. known. Like the girls didn't know her that well. She dropped off. They knew who she was, and she dropped off the flowers. Yeah, and they thought that was odd. And she was like, "I actually didn't know your mom." Like she didn't go to the funeral. That's a good point. Yeah, they yeah. might have known her more when they were little or something. Yeah. But it didn't like, seem that, like they were kind of a plot point. They knew who she. It's like you know, a small town. You know who she is, but they didn't know that their mom was close with her at all. I, I mean, yeah, I think I they they were aware that she ran the whorehouse. Like they saw when Alexis walked out. I think, uh, or the the never mind the the older women did, but. Still, like, when they were hearing that news, they seemed pretty shocked. Like, what? Our mom's been involved in some of this? Yeah, I, I guess, I, I, but I, I got the impression they knew that their mom was at least friends with her. From, I, I don't know. I guess I, I probably should have watched it a little bit closer. I was probably going in and out. But, yeah, I, I just, because I was thinking about that scene where the younger sibling, whatever, right after she finds the money, she sees Enid at the bar. And they sort of have an exchange where, like, they definitely are they know who each other are, but I guess it wasn't as familial as I was thinking it was. She does say like, she doesn't call her by the first name. Now that I think about it, she just calls her Connolly girl. So I guess yeah. I, I was probably wrong on that. I, yeah. Um, and I think Enid's just a character. Like everyone's kind of aware, like, okay, she's pretty fucking like, it's kind of scary. You know, like I don't, I don't really like, I, at yeah, a bar I mean, stool with her. She's the villain, but like they, they d depict her as sort of like, even the old lady, she's sort of a necessary villain or necessary, like evil in the sense that like, if it, she sort of controls something that's inevitable, like yeah. a bunch of, you know, fishermen are coming in off the, the dock and they, they're definitely horny. They've been out at sea for months. They want to fuck somebody. If it's not the whores that she's controlling, it's going to be like dangerous for their daughters or something. Yeah, that's um, true. I mean, that was, that was a huge point of the show. Yeah. It's like, we're you like we're protect again it's like protecting our our daughters and you know other people that like we care about so you need to it's like this like constant control they have down on the dockside bar like or a filter it's like please filter out all the bad people who come here 
All right. Any any last thoughts before we, we wrap this up uh, in terms of go to the wheel and rate it? Anyone got some final thoughts on Blow the Man Down? Joe, you got anything? Give this thing a rating, baby. Okay. Oh, All right. We're, we're going to the wheel. We're skipping we're, the we're wheel. Gonna go the wheel. Wheel. We're going to go for the wheel. We're going to go for the wheel. We're going to do uh, there two or three. Okay. So there were two things I wrote down that made me laugh that uh, I just I was looking at my notes. One was when she told uh, the girl from Glow that she like, going in the room. I TiVo'd some Buffy. <laughs> like, this is yeah. so weird. And then did y'all notice? I, I I commented and I forgot every single TV was tiny. Oh yeah, like, they were, like, a that's, a, Scott, that's like, something I absolutely remember. The the, in, the ending scene where they go and like confront yeah. her in her bedroom. Let's talk about this. Before we get into this, I thought you know I I just I always had the impression that the prostitutes were going to get Enid. Like I thought I thought they were going to kill her, but I thought she was like when she was like sort of fainting over. I thought they'd like poisoned her. Did, they didn't poison her. They just like put the pill. Like, did, was there she was asleep. Hit? She had passed out. Yeah, yeah but, like she was having, sort of, like, like a heart attack. Yeah, she was like in pain and like yeah. her like back oh. hurt. I, I was I thought they'd like I thought the whole thing was like when they were getting that final confrontation with her that she was just going to die because the prostitutes like slipped something in her drink or something. But I it think, really was just like an yeah. old lady watching a really small TV. Like Bud said, that's what's so funny when they come in the room. She's like, and I thought she's TV. already dead. I thought she like, she looked kind of like ghostly. I think it could be like, like she's like laying, like she's already in a casket, you know? Yeah. Maybe it was that, maybe that there was like some illusion, like maybe like she was getting poisoned or something or, yeah, that's like, what or, I was or it was just guys, like, her, did I miss something her, about like them trying to do something to her? I think it was just her, like the kind of again, like a culmination of this, these people, and the and like what they've been doing, and kind of her losing all well, the control, control that she had had. When, when the prostitute girl finds out apart. that Enid, when the prostitute girl finds out that Enid had, you know, been the one that killed their friend, you know, the the other the hooker that we never actually meet, but is the dead body. She, right. Uh, that girl goes to the old ladies and sort of like kind of apologize not apologizes but it's like oh my god i didn't realize i was working for such a monster i thought she was kind of like protecting me or whatever but she could kill me at any moment i thought that maybe the old ladies i don't know if there's an implication that they sort of helped her like almost like gave her like some poison to slip in her drink i don't know because that's what budge was kind of saying it looked like she was dying or drunk or something and then, like then they just sort of finish it off with the pillow on top of her head but yeah. i didn't know if i missed something or not uh yeah, I, I thought that's what I was getting because I really thought like during that scene she almost was like slipping into like a coma, and then like the the girl coming kind of finishes her off, and that's yeah. sort of like, but that's a nice pun to use for Enid considering the type of business she runs. So um, <sighs> we're gonna move on to the wheel questions. We're gonna do a couple of these and then we're gonna rate the film. We're gonna wrap this up real quick. So number one, I've got time to pretend. Number two, I've got there's got to be a better way. Number three, old coleslaw. Number two, I mean, number four, make this movie sexier. <laughs> number five, uh, where are the dudes? Six, a night to remember. Seven, whammy. My, eight, my special knife. Nine, baby of the family. And ten, respins. We're going to do just a couple of these. Yeah, I feel like we answered a lot of these already. Well, well, number three. So actually, where are the dudes? Joe kind of brought this up. So the girls don't seem to have a dad, or at least it's never mentioned in this movie. And none of the old ladies have a husband. So do, is there any theory about what actually happened to the men in this movie? Or was it just sort of like one of those things that doesn't even matter? What do you think, Joe? Uh, I think it was purposefully done by uh, <laughs> the two directors. I think it was meant to be like this uh, matriarchal show um, that kind of I think that part of the their their writing was kind of to show how like 
you know, you would normally think that this would be like the town would be run by a bunch of men and like every man that you see in the show is like, oh, hon, did you see the Pats game today? You know, like <laughs> like that's on his mind. Meanwhile, they're like masterminding the town. You know well, what I, mean? I didn't like, know if it was like, you know, like all the different. sort of like all the fishermen, you know, like the famous, what's it called? Like a widow's peak, not widow's class. Yeah. Widow's peak is like your hair, you know, like the, the widow that like their husband's off at sea and they're trying to constantly look. To see I think if he's that's coming back. part of it. Yeah, and so like they have to run the town while and all like, these people like yeah. are dead while their husbands right. are fishing or something like that. Or I think there's yeah. there's that which is a cool angle, and I think also it's just like, yeah, I mean you've got two yeah two female directors, and they they made a movie that is supposed to be for have female protagonists, and I think it made me think kind of like, you know, like in Us, uh, where they basically flipped flipped it, and we're like, all right, we're gonna throw you some like some white people tropes here. <laughs> You know, and I think in this movie, they're just kind of like, look, this is all about the women. Uh, you know, like we're going to do a fucking film with, with just lead females. And these guys like don't really have much, much to do in this movie. Well, yeah, for, like, it's not even like they don't around. have much to do. They didn't even exist. That's what I was getting at in terms of like none of the old women are like, say they're divorced or they're widowed or anything like that. They're, we just sort of like are, they're just sort of single spinsters or we don't need like they don't oh, even no, care. That? that husband comes in. He's looking for oh. work. He's watching the pass game. Oh, that one yeah. guy is. They're oh, not yeah, giving Brady right. any protection. Then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was like that was like their version of well, do y'all want like a souffle or uh, <laughs> yeah. a steak tonight? You know, like have some sandwiches. I made some yeah. bites for the game. That's the male. Uh, that's the female <laughs> version. Exactly. Right, exactly. the like, <laughs> well, the pats. And, I, and so, okay, so look, I think that is where some of this humor is. You know, it's a yeah. very dead, very deadpan script, but I think it's also like it knows what it's doing. It's doing it for a reason because we do need more movies like this. There's no doubt about it, but like it's also just it's it's kind of like a throwback now in a way. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, I kind of want to watch it again. How about that? All right. On to the next one. We sort of figured that one out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How would you? Make this movie sexier, Joe. We yeah, always on, ask this hold question. On, hold on, before it, before I just, I've got to know, Matthew. Does it land on that every time, or do you just, <laughs> or do you just let it land on? Or the, do you just the mystery wheel? I, I, I let it land on the sexier one. I do have true wheel spins for everything else, but this one uh, we're trying to wrap it up, and I always like to ask this question. So, Joe, how would you make blow the man down? a little oh, bit sexier oh man okay so if not to put out the rapey vibe so like <laughs> we could just excuse Please don't. That, whole, that whole part yeah that, there was nothing really sexy about we the reviewed drug, the, the different uh, the version of head. house of cards <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but if i was gonna pick for this movie i would say that uh the older sister and the cop there could have been like a little yeah, well, you know, like you could have shown the good Catholic boy going wrong a little bit, and like she could have banged him for his silence or something. <laughs> he certainly, yeah, she's like, just let it happen. Yeah. He he definitely like he liked her, obviously, until he realized she lied to him. So like, that was probably the one of the few like budding relationships. Maybe the that was such line, a really. cheese dick line though. Like with the old cops, like, "Oh, there's your girl. Maybe we should do a drive by." And he's like, "Not anymore. Not anymore, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah, like yeah. you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you anymore." I, yeah, I, see, like, I feel like they threw that. I think they're self aware enough to like, where they're okay, like, "Narc." No, well, yeah. that could just be two female writers who have no idea how guys talk. It's just well, like, not anymore. No, I, mean, I, I think it was kind of on purpose. Like, what a stupid line. Yeah, well, he was just—he's a cheese dick to begin with, right? Yeah. <laughs> And, 
Yeah, the, just... the old guy or the young guy or both? No, the uh, the young dude. Yeah, he's pro game. He is not an exhilarating uh, type of personality. Yeah, he's like he's like your youngest sister. She used to prank call my friend all the time. You know, at, at the oh female God. voice. Also, like, was that the dinner be... table thing? No, that's when he's like oh, in the, the boat. boat. She's like yeah, driving the yeah. boat. Yeah, again, he's a cop and a guy, and he's making the girl drive the boat. Which again, I mean, it's her boat, but still, like, come on, dude, man. That up. was yeah, that was a fun. Now that I think about it too, that that dinner table scene because like <laughs> they're, they're having boring, to, yeah. they're trying to like. Get, get away from cops and now they find one who's like their age and he's been asking questions and he's at their fucking dinner but table also but he's also flirting you and know. he's flirting and they're <laughs> all, they're, all they're thinking is is he going to figure out that we murdered someone and hid the body in the uh, water he like he says grace and they're all just staring at him like dude come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> which just makes it really really awkward but again it just hammered home again that he's sort of just like he's mr goody boy that plays by the rules kind let of me thing. let me ask all this because we were talking about the dinner scene did y'all find that fish to be appetizing or is that just a regional difference oh when she uh every they, they, they almost make a big was... deal about that when she slices he throws the fish on the skillet like three times and honestly it made me hungry yeah i remember that well that's the fish that they make fish and chips with haddock yeah that, that's what i was is ha- yeah I was it was in it was in like some oil and butter and it yeah. started sizzling. Whew. That was pretty good. <laughs> Flaky white fish. Uh, wait, Honestly, that uh, was like, you, that was the sexiest part I, of the movie. I was actually, that fish. <laughs> I, I when that, that fish down, hit the pan. Yeah, I wrote that down and I was like, this seems like the kind of town that would have great fish and chips. <laughs> That's, oh, yeah. yeah, it would have gotten that much sexier if they had yeah. served it fish and chips. Uh, it, it's a quad well, town. It's yeah. a quad town. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, yeah, that could have been like, no, a holiday, funny moment. Yeah. Like, she's like, Joe, she's trying to, like, seduce him at dinner or whatever to get his silence. And she's, like, wearing, like, a skimpy outfit. And, like, all he can think about is, like, oh, man, this haddock's fantastic. Like, just, yeah, like, completely yeah. ignores her. He's like, this fish is amazing. He's like, you do fish and chips? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to move on to our rankings here because we're, we're kind of at an hour. So uh, let's start off with uh, the characters out of 25. Joe, what do you think about the characters? They satisfy you out of 25 or what do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that they it was a pretty diverse cast of um, personalities, and you kind of I think that they hit all the the right notes of the little ta- the little New England town. You know, the cast of characters you would think would be around all the moms and whatnot, the the ma- the matriarchal mafia that we had going. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, 22. What do you think, Preston? Yeah, that was a pretty charming, compelling set of characters. Uh, you know, I, I I really enjoyed all of them from from Enid to, I, I you know, it's June Squibb. I forgot to keep forgetting who she played, but I just I just love any any. I feel like her every character she does is so great. She's obviously been a, around for a long time. Um, so I'm gonna give it 23. What do you think, Fudge? So uh, I give it a 21. I mean, I think the characters are good. I just think they were uh, the men were a little underdeveloped. And I also think that um, I could have, and I don't know if it's, it's probably one of those things that if you ask somebody who worked on this movie, certain things were left out. But I, I was always kind of confused as to like what the women's role was when the town was run by like gangs or whatever, like which is like a seedier town. Like, were they prostitutes? It was never made clear that like all the old ladies didn't at some point like. They, I mean, they said oh, you they, think they did participated. Some, well, they did was, some just, things that they alluded, were unsavory, particularly with like Ina, with uh, not with Ina, but like with the sister's mother. So anyway, yeah, it, it's it. The characters are excellent. I think they're all like kind of good small town caricatures, but the, I do not get for a little underdevelopment in some aspects. So well, I think that can come more into the plot. <laughs> no, well, I'll get there. That's yeah. yeah, I mean, I 
yeah, it depends where, because obviously I was going to knock it a little bit in terms of sense of urgency, because I, I just, I always felt like there, it just could have been a little bit more, like the, the, the cops could have been a little bit more aggressive, the girls could have been a little bit more desperate, the Enid could have been a little bit more, like, vicious, and I don't think that's an acting thing, because I thought they were all fine in terms of acting, I thought, it, like, yeah. like Budge said, it was more of a character development thing, so I'm going to go with the 19 on that, we're going to move on, let's just go straight to acting, Preston, what do you think, out of that 25 acting? Well, so I, you know, I, I thought the acting was great. I mean, I, I think we've we've discussed the accents could have been better. They weren't always their best, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, Margot Martindale, she's she's just awesome. And I thought even with some of the, the discrepancies we talked about with her character, Enid, I just thought she was a great character either way. I mean, it was just uh, I thought she was kind of funny. She was also, you know, <laughs> we've never talked about the like walking around with that cane. <laughs> I forget she reminded me of some character for a second I, if I think about bringing it up uh, from like a movie in the 90s but um, yeah so I thought I thought she was great and uh, June Squibb's always fantastic um, I thought the acting was good I mean I, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give it pretty much a 23 I mean a little <laughs> bit better than the characters because all these people are really really talented yeah the cane was a nice touch what do you think Joe uh, you know <laughs> I'm gonna cane. knock the acting just a little bit um I thought that Morgan Saylor's performance was so angsty. <laughs> that That's her wheelhouse. I know. Um, so 20. Butch, what you think? Uh, I, I give the acting a 21. And then the points I knock off are, are like we, as like I've said before, it was just the, I could not help but think that Margo Martindale and Annette O'Toole were Southerners doing <laughs> accents. And I just couldn't unhear the southernness of their voice so in that sense i think because other than that i thought it was excellent so yeah yeah i i I mean i i don't know if it was it was it was again it was a small town in some ways it was supposed to be kind of bland i don't it like i I thought the acting was fine i didn't really have any i I, it's hard to not i guess mudge is right in terms of there were some of those things where like they could have probably really really hammered home the accent but it wasn't something that really I, I never like had a moment where I go, well, what the fuck's going on? Just compare it to we were discussing Fargo, right? Yeah, so like Fargo. That's what you remember. That's what you take away as you remember everybody doing. Well, that and that's an ex- yeah. yeah, that's it's just, such it's just, a, an extreme. Fargo's so yeah. extreme. Sure, and but I think that that's what let's just let's this will be clip this. So I think one of the interesting things that I thought about when I watched this movie is there's only two places in the United States left that deliver mail by boat. Uh, one of them is Magnolia Springs, Alabama. The other is a town in Maine. And I kept thinking about that, like how <laughs> isolated some of these places are that they would deliver the mail by boat. And so that's why, like, kind of makes it interesting. But anyway. Wait, did we see someone delivering mail no, by no, boat? No, 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 no. But I'm just talking about that's the kind of culture, like something that's so anachronistic, right? That's such a small town that, like, yeah. something that we would think is just so crazy, like, deliver the mail by boat. That's so weird. But like, but think about how isolated some parts of like Alabama can be. Like, well, yeah, no, it's one of those things. Like, they are sort of so cut off from like mm-hmm. the actual society that you almost it would almost make sense and, like, that they all sort of spoke and sort of talked in a certain way. But I think it was one of those things where if if one person couldn't do it, then just make nobody really kind of do it. They did have like pick their moments, but I, yeah, I don't know. I I'm not gonna really honk on it too much. Like it. it I think if like one person would have really hammered home the accent, it would have like made everyone else look different. So it almost is like, okay, if no one can do it, let's just move on, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. I'm going to give it like a 20. 
All right, so let's move on to uh, music. The music definitely had some interesting music because it was like sea shanties and all sorts of stuff. What do you think, Preston? Yeah, yeah the sea shanties were a nice touch from the beginning to the middle and then to the end, but obviously being sung by the women at that point, which I thought was really cool. Uh, as far as the score goes, it's pretty much like it's very violin heavy and it's got like like really cool percussion that, you know, that does a, a huge part in, as far as building the suspense in certain in certain spots. So I thought it was solid. I thought it was, you know, I thought the sea shanties were great. They fit, they fit the scene quite well. And um, I'm sure if we had some time to like really analyze the lyrics and the fact that they are, the women are singing at the end, I think there's a lot to unpack there. Kind of uh, something I want to look into and watch it again. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a, a 22. Well, uh, Blow the Man Down is about a, an accidental death on a ship. So that sort of speaks to like Budge's point is in terms of like it wasn't a premeditated murder or whatever. It awesome. sort of was an accident and how they deal with it. What do you think, Joe, in terms of the music? Yeah, I think the score was actually pretty well involved in the, in yeah. the film. You know, it, it 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 helped the film move along, right? You know, it was actually an active part of the uh, the storytelling. It would it would give clues as to what was about to happen, and so uh, I'm gonna give it decent marks. I'm gonna say 22. Yeah, what do you think, Budge? Uh, yeah, I I give the music uh, a 22. It's, it's one of my higher marks here. Obviously, the sea shanties sea shanties were cool. The one thing I mean, and we all noticed it immediately. I was like, "Is this why Preston picked this movie?" Like, <laughs> because it was so topical. Because like last week, everybody was doing yeah. TikTok and Twitter. Um, but that was I think, not yeah, but, <laughs> that but was it was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like kind of uh, Providence. But um, what I think again, one of the things I also like noted I thought was kind of cool is there were there were good like piano interludes that I enjoyed. So again, that's that's why I give it I give it such high marks. Sex of the highest marks I give is well, no, never mind. Yeah, no, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a 24. I loved yeah. I loved it. Not only do I like the music, but I thought it was like really well done in terms of like a it's sort of like a, a a Greek play, like an ancient Greek tragedy. Like the they use like these old sort of sailors as sort yeah. of like the the Greek chorus. So I'm almost yeah. I'm almost betting that these the girls that wrote this movie, the women that wrote this movie have some sort of classical studies background or whatever. Cause that was very prevalent to me in terms of when I was watching it, I was like, this is exactly like some Greek tragedy and the way it's whole set up in terms of like somebody gets in sort of an inescapable situation. They're constantly burying themselves a little bit deeper and deeper or whatever. Um, and it, it did in some ways have sort of a deus ex machina in it too. But mm-hmm. uh, I thought the way the music sort of just always went through, because that's exactly how the tragedies, if you read them in like classical literature or whatever, yeah. they sort of come in and out. And that's exactly how this worked. Um, I thought it was great. I completely great. agree, Dr. Scott. So I'm going to yeah. go, I'm going to give it a 24. We're going to move on to the plot and then we're going to wrap it up. So out of 25, this was your pick, Preston. What do you think about the plot? Well, I just, that was really a good point about the Greek tragedy thing. Is I, I was also thinking too, when, when, uh, uh, is it the, the, the sister who killed Gorski, was it Mary Beth, I think? When, yeah, when she's telling Priscilla what has happened, I don't know if you noticed, but it kept going back. Like they're in a, a hallway near their rooms, but it kept going back and forth from like Priscilla's face and Mary Beth's face to faces to pictures of them as like little girls. And there was like this, like, you know, like innocence kind of going away kind of bit that was happening uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. Oh, um, I did want to add, I also loved it too, because it did like, it mixed the Greek tragedy and sort of like sea Santi stuff, but they also did have that one banger at the bar that they don't write them like this anymore. I thought it was just a great little touch. Yeah. I mean, I love that song so much. So when that came on, loved it too, but sorry, go ahead, go well, with your pot, Preston. And also like, it is still are, we, 
yeah. <laughs> also, also, we just to assume that like just fishermen, I feel like throughout cinema, they're just depicted as having a fantastic singing voices. It's the only thing to do. There's no Wi-Fi. Yeah. You can't like watch YouTube. It's just like they all just sing with each voice. other. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So the plot. The plot is I almost want to throw it to Budge because clearly he's got a lot to say on it. But yeah, I did see kind of, uh, you know, people are throwing it out like the Femme Fargo. Uh, but I, the more I'm thinking about it and the more I'm, I'm giving, I'm getting these vibes of like the humor being kind of this like deadpan, uh, approach, which, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing more and more in like certain scenes and, and they're, it's becoming a little bit funnier to me than I think initially I thought it was, uh, as far as like just the story itself, it's very unique. I think it's pretty clever. Um, I love the ending. I thought that was a a really brilliant way to tie it all together and, and just kind of, a, a, I thought it was kind of funny and twisted at the same time, which I personally appreciate in a movie. Um, yeah. So, sense, I guess it is kind of darkly humorous. It is. I mean, like I, again, like just the fact like them singing that and looking at the, at the girls as they walk through the streets, you know, and just like almost that wink and a nod. And it's just, I was like, Oh my God, those fuckers. Wow. That was really cool. So I'm going to give it a, uh, the plot of, 23 what do you think bud i mean uh joe out of 25 yeah i uh i enjoyed it um i'm gonna go 22 all right Budge, what do you think yeah i i, I give it a 23 I, i've very much enjoyed this film and I, i'm glad that i didn't do a lot of uh research beforehand um and I, I think, you know, kind of like Preston kind of nailed, you know, the points here of, of what I, I thought this was a well thought out uh, sort of caper cover up movie. And I, and I think I'll I'll stress here that this movie is also pretty tight, like it's not long. And I think that's what a lot of the parts of it being well done. Like there are a couple things that are we just we've discussed that are maybe underdeveloped. But one of the things I do like about this movie is that it doesn't focus on stuff that it's make the plot too convoluted like everything kind of goes along quickly and briskly and it all kind of matters like let's take let's compare this with nice guys right like when there's that whole thing when kim basinger comes in the fbi gets involved like he just adds another layer to the story right like maybe makes it a little convoluted in this instance it really isn't like every little thing is kind of crucial and critical to it and it happens kind of like okay boom 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 it's just again tight well written and a good yeah. ride from start to finish and and i think it ends like we just said you know it's, it's a classical bookend so I, again that's why i give it high marks i was thoroughly impressed yeah not too much wasted uh, mic drop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i liked it i i think the reason i was so critical of it is sort of like we were talking about earlier it's hard not to compare the movie to fargo just because it yeah. is one of those regional cover-ups and fargo probably is one of my favorite movies of all time so maybe when in the back of my head i'm like oh, that's not as good as fargo but when you think about it <laughs> objectively and like not in a comparison to what's kind of like yeah, an all-time uh, classic honestly, movie after us discussing this i want to watch it again because I feel like maybe I'll find it more humorous and then maybe I'll notice a little bit more about what Matthew was saying about the classical things. Cause I didn't even really think about it that way. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. No, but I, that was, it really was the first thought that came in my mind when they had just sort of that like showing of like fishermen singing at the same time. And sort of like, that's how like classical plays start is with the chorus setting it up and with the theme and then it goes from there. So it, uh, it sort of faded yeah. out. Yeah, um, cool. 
and then they like they kept on having that dude like his face kept on popping up after yeah. like, big moments and he was even the font it really was funny yeah the font was awesome yeah but i mean plot wise i mean it, it is it is a good movie i, I i'll give it a, a 23 um, all right, so that's going to wrap it up with uh, Blow the Man Down, the Amazon original that came out, I guess, a year ago in March. Uh, we all sort of liked it. We all definitely had some criticism of it, too. Next week, we are going to move on. we got special guest. He's from SB Nation. Big, big funny guy on Twitter, Mr. Ryan Nani. We're going to do... Full cast. Yeah, shut down full cast. And we're going to uh, we're gonna do Batman Forever. No, but no, Batman, Batman Returns. Returns. Batman Returns, excuse me. Not Batman Forever. That's the Val Kilmer one. Batman Returns is yeah. still tim burton with the one with danny devito is the yeah one, which is pretty nice. pretty excited about watching this again oh, i am too actually yeah kind of a kind of pretty pretty, pretty, it's good christmas vibes um it does uh, I, I actually sat there in christmas I, I gotta laugh preston when you suggested this past movie we just reviewed i i kind of chuckled in my mind i mixed this up and i thought you were thinking of swiss army man so I was like, oh, that's what we're gonna watch. <laughs> I think did we talk about that? I, I don't know if we have, but like well, I was like, we when I hit play, I go, oh, that's not what this movie is. So like, a really crazy fun fact: my like my first cousin, his best friend is one of the Daniels. Yeah, they're Alabama guys, right? Yeah, Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, well, the other Daniel, I think, is L.A. But yeah. and they and he's you know he's directed Swiss Army Man and uh, the Tale of I don't know some other like it's. It's out there. It's pretty weird shit, but uh, I've I've heard it's worth a watch to be at least, uh, you know, like shocked. For the record, Swiss Army Man is labeled as a black comedy as well on Wikipedia, so maybe that's just a very broad brush that they like to paint. Oh, uh, Somebody's just like editing all these movies on Wikipedia, being like black black comedy. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I guess you can't go wrong. Right, um, right. Right. for a dream, black comedy. All right, so that's gonna wrap it up. Batman returns next week with Ryan Nani. So look forward to the. Movie.